Hey guys, it's Conrad David here, and you're listening to Brad and Avery Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master G coming your way, and is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. There we are. There we are. There we are. What is I, up? I'm in, I'm in the screen now, okay? After, <laughs> he tried to cut me out of the show already. And I'm like, we just started. We're 15 seconds in. <laughs> what What's is that? It is episode 19 of the Brad and Avery Hour. Brad, how you doing, sir? This is Good, Brad Bartko. I'm Avery Lewis McDougal here. We are sitting in Atlas in Grand Villa Casino in the yeah. private room. Our little cozy studio. Our, our palace. Our kingdom. The Brad and Avery Kingdom. Yes. We're here. We are now legal in BC, episode 19. <laughs> we're, we're two more away and we're legal everywhere. Uh, it's fun. It's fantastic. What a week uh, it's been. And I think we're going to open up with the Edmonton Eskimos and the CFL. And yes. The Labor Day rematch. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you want to show your head or not. But only did I get a little extra gray over the weekend. And man, oh man, have you ever watched it. Why and and why I mean this in the, in the most positive way possible. Forty eight points, you should be able to win a football game, no problem. I don't mm-hmm. care what league you're in, hockey, football. If we see forty eight goals in it, oh, we got a problem. But that's we definitely same. do. Forty eight <laughs> point lead, or forty eight points on the board. You would think this game is over. Forty eight twenty three at one point. This game is over. Solidified, call my marching band. This game's up, but no, 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 no. The Eskimo defense yet again had to collapse, and yet again, just about we were inches, and I mean inches, fingertips away from losing the football. Literally, fingertips away from losing this football game. And it would have been like 49-48 for the Cavaliers there, Peter. That is correct, yeah. In a game in which Eskimos, yeah, well, again, 48 points a season high. And it come down to the final throw from Bolivar Mitchell. Finding for a second to Juan Bruskison. Bruskison, he had the ball in his hands in the air when he came down. Lost control. Incomplete pass. Eskimos win to move to 7-5. and five. But that was a game where most definitely this Eskimos game should have been a 56-28 to 28 win for Edmonton. But once again, we saw... Like like on Monday night, Monday afternoon, to correct myself, where was the pressure on Bolivar Mitchell? No pressure on Mitchell, and the secondary was struggling in a big way once again, Brad. Again, Chris Edwards had a really tough game. Um, I think, I, I hate to say it, but I think the writing's on the wall for this defense. I think we're going to see a total overhaul in the offseason. Um, I, I think that's, that's the point where it's going to come to. Uh, Mike Riley had a hell of a game. The defense early on looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, picking off Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, picked six at one point. They were up 21-7 after the first quarter. Yeah. And we thought, wow, you know, his defense maybe turned a corner halfway, midway through the season, but uh, we were wrong. They still give up 42 points. Now, I, I can't put all the blame on Mike Riley. I think Mike Riley did well. Um Again, Shaq Cooper, no C.J. Gable, no Darrell Walker, and then it'll be for the foreseeable future. And we held a collective breath because we thought we were going to be without Duke Williams right. for a long period of time. And that would have really hurt the Edmonton Eskimos. And, and again, we talked about this last week, Avery, but for the love of God, Mike Benavides, 
the defense of the Eskimos, why are you not sending the house at Bo Levi Mitchell? This guy's on one leg. One leg. Mm -hmm. And you can't send the house. And you got, like, I why? I don't understand why? it. Cause like, the man has a heavy knee brace on. And he's Jesus. given all day in the pocket to look and get settled and find a receiver. Because you saw, once again, all day long, the Zildinkin dunks. And you saw multiple times where... They yeah they would get to Levi Mitchell they would force a they would force a loss in the running play right but then on second and twelve or second and fifteen Bo finds a man for a twenty yard completion and a fresh set of downs every single play I would have set the house send the blitz put pressure on Bo Levi Bo Levi Mitchell make him force a mistake turn the ball over again maybe this game wouldn't have been as close as it was. 48-42, there's still some questions for the Edmonton Eskimos. No, of course not. I don't care if you win a game, but that is an inexcusable win. They should have won 48-24, you know, 17 But to let Calgary march all the way back down the field, they had a way better second half Calgary. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the Eskimos, it almost kind of, they laid back. They were up in the fourth quarter, yeah. And, and the Eskimos said, okay, we got this in the bag with three, four minutes to go, but wait a minute. But Levi Mitchell said, no, 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 no. We're going to still play this game. We're going to come back. And there was a play, I don't know if you remember, in the fourth quarter, Avery. It led to their final touchdown. But Levi Mitchell, uh, it, it, it looked like sacked on fourth down. Third he, down. He hit the ground. Third down, he hit the ground. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the NFL. <laughs> Third down, you know what I meant, though. Third down, hits the ground, gets back up. He continues to play, which a guy should all the time. Don't, don't give up on the play. And he threw the ball on the whistle, threw it for a touchdown. I don't know why the Edmonton Eskimos didn't challenge. I think they would have won the challenge. You look at the replay, he was clearly down. Uh, he gets back up, throws a touchdown, puts another six on the ball. For the other, the Stampeders puts him even closer. That put him within the touchdown. And uh, I, I'm just very still baffled. Why this Eskimo defense and why uh, they're in the shape they're in? No, no, it, it is very questionable that defense, right? You saw it once again. Um, you saw Lamar Durant, five receptions. Uh, Reggie Belton, Reggie, Be Reggie Begleton, sorry, seven receptions for 153 yards, an average of 21.9 yards per catch. That was unacceptable in my mind there. Well, the and, then, and then you look at Daniels, obviously, 100, 116 yards. Uh, without Kamal Jordan, I mean, they mm -hmm. they needed to spread the offense around, and, and that they did. Bo Levi Mitchell got creative. Bo Levi Mitchell got resourceful and, and really spread the ball around, and, and so did so did uh, Riley. I mean, yeah, he, he, did. he used uh, he used uh, Kenny Stafford in a couple big plays. Obviously, Brian Mitchell's been his favorite target recently, and mm -hmm. then of course you you can always rely on Duke Williams. Yes, you can. Um, Jordan Robinson, uh, in my mind, struggled. Um, even Shaq Cooper struggled a little bit as well. And, you know, this happens to us, but if, if we want to make the playoffs, if we want to be in the Grey Cup at home, things got to change, and things got to change fast. No, they're going to have to. Like, that, and, and, and Calgary is a team where you can't make those mistakes against Calgary more than once. You've done before, more than twice. Okay, you're in real trouble now. If you can't go into the playoffs against Calgary these mistakes not cleaned up yet because we've seen no. time and time again Edmonton the playoffs in the past six or seven years when they do face Stampeders in Calgary 
if you're not prepared, you're not ready to handle Bully by Mitchell and company, you're going to get burned. See, we talk about this on the way to the game, and maybe, maybe this is not the way to look at things. But if you're Edmonton, do you look at that Eastern Conference and say, we might have a better chance at a crossover? We might have a better opportunity to do the crossover, and maybe we see a battle of Alberta in the Grey Cup. I let me know because you've already you've already lost this year to Toronto and Hamilton. Yeah, you can't right. even say that you've already lost the Eastern teams before. Yeah, that's right. And convincingly as well, like you lost. Like it wasn't even it was games where you should have had those games against Toronto and against Hamilton. You can't right. even go in and say, "Oh yeah, we'll just we'll just cross over in Eastern Division." You might lose an Eastern Divisional game as well. I guess it's not that simple. Yeah, but I mean, I guess we were salivating or we were we were dreaming. Mm-hmm. Over the uh, opportunity of Edmonton Calgary in the Grey Cup in Edmonton, no less. Uh, Battle of Alberta in the CFL final. Wouldn't that be something? Um, I, now, I, I want to talk quickly, just briefly, on Matt Nichols, the Blue Bombers, mm-hmm. and, the Cal- and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders game. That was a very important game the Eskimos were watching, of course. Of course. Um, and the Stampers came away and I, I think really had a field day with Matt Nichols. Really, you know, picked him apart and they had two pick sixes on him and. And really got to Matt Nichols and and ultimately uh, won the football game 32-27. Mm. Um, this is team Edmonton should still be worried about. Oh, of course. Uh, they're hot on their heels. They're on a winning streak right now. They're very, very, um, they're, they're, they're on a high. They're very good right now. And uh, I, I think uh, the Eskimos should be worried because it's going to come down to, I believe, one of those two uh, moving on to the playoffs. Yeah, Saskatchewan and yeah, Saskatchewan has been a team that's been on a mission, seven and four, and even Win- even Winnipeg right now. Yeah, Winnipeg isn't struggling. Then there's the controversy of a quarterback between do you play Nichols or do you play Chris Trevler? But at five and seven, that can change in a couple of weeks. And Edmonton plays Winnipeg after the bye. That's so, right. So hey, don't be don't sleep on, on the Blue Bombers just yet at five and seven because we've seen the CFL before. You've had teams who've been at. One and seven, two and eight, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Five and seven is nothing. You get a couple of wins together, and the Bombers right back in things in the West, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. You, and that's the other thing about the CFL. You don't sleep on any team. I mean, I look at BC at born six. I mean, a couple of wins for them. They're right back in the thick of things as well. Um, especially if Winnipeg keeps, you know, falling off. They, mm. they could jump Winnipeg. Yeah. And we can have a totally different division. And then you look at a very... I, I'm going to use this word lightly, but a very weaker div- Eastern division. And Ottawa, of course, at six and five. Hamilton at six and five, and then you got Montreal at three and eight, and Toronto at three and eight. Yeah. Um, the West division is very, very much stronger. Of course, it, it's all it always has been in recent years. But I still wouldn't sleep on teams like and you mentioned, it, teams like Ottawa, to Hamilton even. Yeah. Hamilton seems to have. The Eskimos numbers, especially Jeremiah Masoli and uh, and that quarterback duo out there. Um, so again, with them, a couple couple weeks things can things could change very very drastically, and and uh, you know some some standings could shift and some playoff pitchers can can form very very fast. Yeah, it really can. Uh, um, now let's switch over. Let's switch from gears here now. We're talking about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Opening week of the NFL in the books, or, yes. or we'll wrap up tonight, I should say, as the Jets taking on the Lions right now, and then Oakland playing the LA Rams. Uh, that's a marquee matchup. If you're, if you're a football fan, make sure you tune in that one. I believe kickoffs in about five minutes. Uh, John Gruden making his return to the NFL since 2008. 
Uh, you weren't a big fan of the Sonny. I, you know, I'm, I'm a good fan. I, I have always liked him. Um, I, I think he's going to bring a different style, a different, uh, a different feel to the Raiders. Maybe, maybe gets him in the win column a little bit faster. Um, I still think the LA Rams run him over. I don't see the Raiders standing a chance, especially without Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at that much improved secondary, the LA Rams, much improved defensive line with their LA Rams. Uh, with the Dominic and Sue now there as well, joining Aaron Donald um, as mm. he ended his holdout a couple weeks ago. Okay, dangerous team. Um, Akeem Tlaib, obviously, Marcus Peters, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, a dangerous team, and, and that's going to be, I, I think, an absolute I, – I think I think a blowout. I, I'm calling a blowout. I don't think they're calling the Raiders really have a chance. Um, and he's – both sides of the ball, the Raiders – or the Rams are very – uh, deadly with Jared Goff uh, at the helm and, of course, Todd Gurley behind him. I agree with that. Yeah, you mentioned Goff and Gurley. That was a team where last year, this is a team where, that was a team where that should have won a playoff game. It was tough to see them go down. But I said before online, I do think the Rams will be in the NFC title game this year. It's a good young team. Sean McVay is a young genius. He's the guy who's got this Rams team working well. We saw. Remember, people were saying when there was the one new Jeff Fisher in LA, oh, Goff's a bust. He can't, he can't get it done. He needed the right coach and right system to make it work. And right. Goff has shown he can be elite in this division. And McVay's done a done a wicked, unbelievable job in the LA. Yeah. And he's, he, what is he now? 33? He's still the youngest coach in the league. Yeah. Yeah, very, very young coach. Um, I, I'm very... I'm going to kind of jump all over the league here. Um, a game that surprised me. Uh, good for the good for the city. Good for the team. And, uh, of course, a, a, a team... Uh, and getting lots of heat for the last 15 years, <laughs> and that being the Cleveland Browns, um, they're still off to their best start in recent years. They tied, picture this, tied the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Um, man, oh man, what what a what a game! Um, it comes from an interception in overtime to a block field goal that could have won the the Browns a game. Mm-hmm. Just. Horrendous, horrendous conditions. It was a, it was a monsoon base being in and, Cleveland, and uh, the game ends 21-21. First tie in opening week since '98, I believe. Mm. Uh, just an incredible, incredible game, and of course, it was great to see James Conner get the ball. Uh, two TDs for him in the place of Lev Bell. And what do you think of this whole Lev- uh, um, Bell situation in Pittsburgh? Is this going to end? Good, or is this going to end very ugly? We've seen the offensive line call him out already. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown says, whoa, 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 hold the horses here. Yeah. That's Antonio Brown's boy. Yes, ben Roethlisberger kept, kept tight lips. The offensive line, obviously not really liking it. Again, those are those are guys with the offensive line that, that are protecting that bill. Right. And uh, for him not to show up, continue this holdout. Excuse <coughs> me, sorry. As yeah, Avery sorry. dies over here. Um, <laughs> time. Um, yes. I'll tell you this right now. James Conner, the way James Conner played this week, they're not going to miss Lev Bell. Not right uh, now. If he continues to ball out the way he balled out, I, Pittsburgh could be with a, a tough decision in the next few weeks. Do they bring Lev Bell back? Do they trade LeVar uh, Bell? Um do, do they keep James Conner? I mean, what potentially is going to happen with this Pittsburgh team? Now, first of all, I think if you're a running back, you're the numbers are the average NFL career, I believe, is four years. 
and for running back, it's three and a half seasons, the average length. If you're Le'Veon Bell, go ahead and get your money. He deserves to be paid as much as he, he deserves that cash. I, I, he deserves the money. I'm not really a big fan of holdouts, though, but in football, I, I don't like you this deserve. holdout situation. Every week you hold out, I think your money goes down. That's the way I see it as well. You want to hold out, you want to... You want to cry about it. You want he knows to sit in the corner He knows himself worth this. So he knows what he's worth. And, I, and, he, he, and he feels like he's not getting what he's worth. But Pittsburgh obviously doesn't feel that way. The Steelers are the Steelers are obviously on a completely different wavelength. Completely different page. Similar to a player here in Edmonton we'll get into in a, in a moment. But, I, you know, you got to think here for a minute. Look at teams like the Jets. Look at teams like, you know, the, the Detroit Lions. Um, the the Patriots now, you know, with potentially with Jeremy Hill out for the year now, found out today with a torn ACL. Mm. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers potentially. The teams like that go out and knock on the Steelers door and say, look, we're willing to back the truck up. We're willing to sign this guy now. We're willing to give you this. Does he get traded and sent to a different team? From the Pittsburgh Steelers. It could be. It definitely in play. You mentioned injuries there. That definitely could be in play to move on from Bell and give James Conner the starting job permanently. But I think I do think that cooler heads will prevail. They'll get a deal done, and Bell will be back with the Steelers by, I'll say, week three. Okay, so you said one more week without Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conner, hold those keys to the Ferrari because <laughs> he's coming back. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger, that's music to his ears. I think that's his uh, one-two punch there. Uh, touch on as well a couple couple key games that we were watching. Obviously, I mentioned the lookout for the Saints this week. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surprised everybody. Yes, they did, including me, and I think the <laughs> rest of the me uh, too as well of the league. Old man Ryan Fitzpatrick came out ball, four hundred and seventy-one yards in the air without Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson returning to form. Returning where he used to be, and uh, you look at Chris Godwin as well. Man, oh man, where did this Buccaneers team come from? That's uh, a great question. They dropped 48 points on the New Orleans Saints. That was a game where that ruined my predictions. I I figured there was that no chance. That ruined my week. I figured <laughs> there would be no chance that Tampa Bay would get it done. Without. I figured, well, James Winston, the Buccaneers would be a struggling franchise. I figured Fitzpatrick was Pat was done. That was it for... The Fitzy show, but no, he showed us. He saw some gas up in the tank, and funny enough, if he has two more games to keep this up. Even That's if, right. if he finds way to go three more. and zero, if you're the Buccaneers, like you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell and the situation with James Conner, if you're the Buccaneers, yeah. you you bench Fitzpatrick to bring back Winston, or do you keep chugging along with the hot hand? You have to keep look, on winning. Look, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you mentioned it. You got a decision to make. Cause that's a first overall pick in James Winston. We're, we're not talking about a sixth rounder here. We're talking about a number one bonafide guy in Tampa Bay. Same with Pittsburgh, same with Bell. Right. They got that decision to make. Do they trade him? Do they keep him? Does James Winston get traded from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And you look without Mike Evans, and now they were dealt a major ball with Jackson gone as well. That now receiving core is depleted. The quarterback situation is not getting better. Doug Martin's gone still in Tampa Bay. I don't see the Buccaneers going 3-0. I think this was a fluke for Ryan Fitzpatrick, as, as, as much as I hate to say it. <laughs> I, I think Drew Brees and the Saints will bounce back. 
Uh, they had a rough week. Michael Thomas still caught. Uh, mm-hmm. He did well. Still, Kamara did well. Um, you know, but I, I think Breeze will bounce back. I think the Saints will have a, a big week, too. I want to talk really quickly, really quickly about the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Uh, that uh, garbage fire. And then we're going to talk about your Green Bay Packers. But, man, oh, man. What in the world is going on in Buffalo? They're screaming for Rex Ryan to return. It's that bad. Oh, my goodness. 47. Picture this. 47-3. The Baltimore Ravens kicked their behind. They did. 20 points in the first quarter. 40 points right after the half. My God. And then I, I feel bad. <laughs> you know what? Our good friend Chris Westcott, now with the Chicago Blackhawks. Big Bills fan, man, I am feeling for you. Let's call that a mulligan. That's week five of the preseason for the Bills. Let's move on. Let's get ready for week two. Hey, but it doesn't get any easier because you play the can or the I I sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. The Philadelphia Eagles. I believe this is um, what the Bills do. Yeah. Oh, in town, and you thought the Ravens were hard. Just wait till the Eagles come in town. That's the defending, the reigning, as Paul Heyman would say, the reigning, defending Super Bowl champions. Say it again. Say it again. The reigning, defending, oh, Brock Lesnar, Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, Nathan Peterman, Buffalo management. Oh my god. Yeah, all right. Oh That's my awesome. god. Oh my god. Hey, hey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. See about commish. <laughs> Are you looking for an expansion? Let's expand to Buffalo. Because that's about as good as they're going to get. Oh my goodness. The end of the Eskimo is going to beat them last week. That was just. Was, oh my now, god. You know, Brian, let's look, look, at the, look at the stats for a second here in that game. If you can call that a game. You got 47 one... to 3, guys. My God! I just you mentioned 14 first half points, first quarter points. Sorry, Baltimore. 12 in the second, 14 in the third, seven in the fourth. But the the quarterback stats here are the real are the real story for the Buffalo Bills. As a, as poor Josh Allen gets thrown into this mess after Nate Peterman poops all over himself. <laughs> oh you know I feel wow. bad for Josh Allen because wow. they just threw him in when you mentioned Brad before the show. When they're down 40 nothing. Here you go, kid. We suck. Have fun. We talked about this last week. There must be a screw loose upstairs in Buffalo. Because what are you seeing in Nathan Peterman that the rest of the league don't see? The last game he played, he threw five interceptions last year. <laughs> and they were still in the same hole. I think it was, uh, to be honest, I think it was still 40 nothing. <laughs> what in the I, world? And I believe it was the, it was the Cincinnati Bengals he played last last year. Mm-hmm. But oh my goodness! I'm, Joe Flacco sitting there having a salad and dinner because this game's over by the second quarter. Josh Allen and Peterman combined. They combined to complete eleven passes. Eleven. Peterman went five for eighteen for twenty-four yards and two interceptions. Well, it's better than five. <laughs> I guess that's a bright spot. That. that to Buffalo Bills, tell me. Uh-oh. What Glasses do you see in this guy? 
that is one of the worst starts in the NFL in the NFL Jesus. in the past twenty five years. What do you see in this guy, Nate? Listen, what? listen, I'm gonna bring this up right now, and then this is gonna spark something here. If you're the Bills, do you call up by a name by the guy of Colin Kaepernick? Why not? Colin Kaepernick. All he's doing is making millions with Nike. Paying millions to go through a pass, and maybe, just maybe, he could actually complete a pass on like David Peterman. You know what's funny, Brad? With the argument people always make about, oh. Jesus. It was funny, people with the argument, oh, Kaepernick, he sucked when he last played. Um, He had 16 touchdowns and only four interceptions in his last season in the league. That's not, that, that, that's not bad. Well, let me tell you, hold on. I'm in a wheelchair, okay? I can't run or walk, and I'm a better quarterback than David <laughs> Peterman, okay? I don't know how David Peterman has a job, and he won't have a job if he keeps this going. I feel for the Buffalo Bills. I truly, truly do. I uh, That is painstaking. And to have a guy like Josh Allen, who you traded up to get in the first round, sitting on the bench, and wait a minute, John McDermott, the head coach, still goes to you and says, Hey, kid, you, we're down 40 nothing. <laughs> get in the game. Excuse me? Uh, 40 nothing and get in the game? Why not save him for week two and let him be your starter? Isn't that why you drafted him? Why in the world? Why? Why? They cut quarterback. They cut four quarterbacks in the preseason and kept Nathan Peterman. Just sit on this for a minute. They cut four quarterbacks. And kept this ball. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. I'm, oh my I'm god. I'm watching Nate wow. Peterman, and you know what? He that game on Sunday, he wouldn't have been able to hit he would not have hit water if he fell out of the Titanic. <laughs> I'm convinced he would have hit oh, water. Man. He would have lived because he would not have hit water out of the Titanic. That's how bad this man was on Sunday. Like some of the balls he threw, I could not tell you who they're supposed to be going to. I could not tell you. The other team. That's what they're going to do. Joe Flacco's sitting there like, yeah, this is like practice. Like, I just... 24 yards, Brad. 24. Hey, I heard Connor Cook, the former Oakland Raiders first rounder. I heard he wants a job. Call him. He can come play. AJ, AJ McCarron? Oh, right. They traded him to Oakland. Yes. What is going... Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. I want to debate here, please. Somebody somebody say something on Facebook. Somebody do something. Okay, listen. You have Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman, or A.J. McCarron. You're the Buffalo Bills brass sitting in the war room. Mm-hmm. We're down to three. And he looks at you and goes, Oh, no, we're trading McCarron. We're starting Nathan Peterman. I would have walked out of that room. What in the way? He played one game. Not even one. He didn't last a quarter last year. A quarter. Throws five interceptions. Five in one quarter. Didn't complete a single pass. And whoo! He's our starter 
for week one of the 2018 season. Somebody in Buffalo has got to go. Oh my God. Wow. Somebody needs better prescription glasses because I don't know what they see in that guy. I, oh my God. It baffles me. And Bills fans, usually oh. I'm laughing at you. Be it for Bills Mafia hurting each other. I feel you, be bro. Be for Bills Mafia I hurting each other still. Be it for fans falling out of the upper deck and Ralph Wilson and hurting other fans. But now, Jesus. I feel bad for you guys. No one deserves that kind of quarterback being that bad. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this with all due respect. Because I love you guys. I love Chris. Chris Westcott. I love the Bills Nation. I love you guys, man. But for the love of God, you have officially become the laughing stock of the NFL. Case point done. I'm going to end on that. We're going to move on. Bring up the next topic. I'm, I'm done with the Buffalo Bills. I'm right. sorry. Well, moving from one team that has no quarterback to a team that has a pretty dang elite one, the Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers. Snatch victory from the Did Jaws. Did you put cheese in your pocket defeat. today? Did you put I, cheese I in your pocket? Eh? I should have, eh? I should have. The Packers at home wow. pull off a incredible come from behind 24-23 win against the Bears after being down 20-0. In the fourth quarter, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers show why he is one of the best and one of the elite in the NFL behind Tom Brady. Some would argue better than Tom Brady. Um, but, man... What what a game! Mm-hmm. What a game! And you know what? At this point, at that point, being up twenty three nothing, I feel for Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears because it looked like they had this game in the bag. It looked like their defense. You know what? They're I didn't give them credit when the season started, but with Khalil Mack, this defense is a bit better. It is. I I, I but they they almost looked dramatically better last night. Mm-hmm. They looked like a new improved defense. They looked like they had life. Khalil Mack even picked off Deshaun Kaiser and brought it to the house. And but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're McCarthy and the rest of the Green Bay back brass. Hey, give Rogers some drugs. He's going back in there for the third quarter. And guess what he does? He puts up 24 unanswered right. points. And we should explain that. The game. We should explain that. The first didn't see Aaron Rodgers was hurt early in this game, and Deshaun Kaiser, yes. That Deshaun Kaiser is now Green Bay's backup. (laughs) And Kaiser was bad. He was not good. He was not average. He was not okay. He was bad in relief for Green Bay last night. Uh, Yeah, man, that's an understatement. You you thought Nathan Peterman was bad. Oh, my goodness. Deshaun Kaiser is close. He's second. Nothing beats Nathan Peterman. Nothing. Um... Now, now we're going to move on. Uh, big big week next week in the AFL. Stay posted for that one. Uh, my Denver Broncos also prevailed with a win. Case Keenum uh, pulled it out. So that was a, that was a big one. Um, and now we're going to talk uh, some Edmonton Oilers, I believe, right? Now, yes. Avery and some big things uh, happening today is Mr. Alex Chason signed a PTO in Edmonton along with Remember, they had Jason Garrison still, mm-hmm. um, Scotty Upshaw as well. That's correct. Uh, we talked about this. I still think out of the three, Scotty Upshaw has a better shot of making the NHL and making the team. Um, crazy thing. For those of you that don't know, I ran into Andre Sekera today um, in West Edmonton Mall. He was in a wa- in a boot 
and in a wheelchair or a scooter, um, and my God, was he frustrated. Over frustration today, disappointment that he will not be able to play this year. What do you think of the picture of? Video for us for the Avery and Brian Avery hour oh, Instagram live. Hey, smile. Smile, Tony. Smile, Barry. You're on camera. Yes. And you're going on Instagram live. Smile, Barry. Uh, we got two Barrys on here. That's smile, right. Smile, guys. You're on Instagram live. What's up, fam? We are live. Brad Avery hour, episode 19. And this is what happens. Improv Instagram video. Uh, say what's up, Barry Peterson, Barry Freeman, Tony D. You're on Instagram. Um, man, it's <laughs> Tony. I like that. Thanks, brother. We we hope you like the show, man. Tony, if you uh, if you haven't already, please like and share and comment, man. We we appreciate you for the support. Thank you guys so much. As I was saying, yes, sir. Uh, Andre Sekera, West Edmonton Mall. Uh, frustration, to say the least, today. Um, I didn't buy him a box of chocolates. I saw him outside of Purdy's chocolates today in phase two of the mall, and man, he could have used. Some chocolate for his sorrow <laughs> today. I'll tell you. I agree much. with that. Um, in a boot with his wife, and basically his wife had to pretty much drag him along the mall in this scooter. And this guy's determined. This guy's fired up to get back. He wants to get back early. He knows the importance of this defense. And let me tell you, the Oilers are in trouble. And I'll tell you why they're in trouble. People don't realize. The impact Sekwa actually has on this defense. Yes, he's a $5 million guy. But he is a major, major, major difference maker on this Oilers blue line. Now, what are your options? Well, I'll tell you your options, and I'll give you four of them. Evan Bouchard. Ethan Bear. Jason Garrison. And who would your other one be? Joey Moss lacing up and skating? Like, that's how slim the... And maybe you want to throw Maybe Caleb Jones gets a shot? Who knows? Like, I've just... I don't want to rush these young guys. I've said, I've said time and time again. I don't want to see these young guys rush because this team is not planned properly yeah. for the future or for we're real plan to win now. Right. You can't keep repeating yourself over and over again with 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds trying to save the day. Evan Bouchard... Should have spent some time in the AHL before he even gets up here. I want to see him in Bakersfield. I want to see him and again maybe maybe one more year of junior. I love to see him with the World Juniors this year yeah, as well. Get some more junior um, time. Don't rush him. But wait a sec. So you're Peter Shirley right now. You're sitting in with a, a D man down. Mm-hmm. Who's your option? You, you don't have the, much. The problem is you have no options. Does does Jason Garrison get a PTO at? Okay, listen, uh, Tony. I I, I, I like that. I, I agree with mm. you. I I think it most likely Ethan Bear will get a shot. Um, that that's for me the most logical pick. I I know the Edmonton Oilers though, um, like Evan Bouchard, and they like him a lot to the point where. He scored from a cannon from the blue line, the rookie game and the Calgary game. I don't know if you've seen it in Calgary. He has an absolute blast from the blue line. That's the only thing that's really maybe leaning me towards 
the Oilers giving Bouchard at least the 10 games. That's a good thing about Evan Bouchard is they have that 9 or 10 game window where, hey, if he doesn't perform, he can go back down. Right. Right, so so really it's a win-win there for Edmonton early on, especially due to their schedule early on. They have one of the toughest schedules in the league to start the year, and it's very, very, very important, and it's very crucial that the Edmonton Oilers come out hot, and they come out ready, and they come out prepared. Because let me tell you, if these Edmonton Oilers don't come out, as I stated above, this could be a very long year. Um, We expect this to be a playoff team. We need this to be a playoff team. But And I'll put it to you this way, Tony, as well, and Barry and everybody watching, and you'll probably agree with me, but every year with Connor McDavid and missing the playoffs is like a crime against hockey humanity. You have the best player, uh, arguably, some will argue it's Crosby, some will argue it's Ovechkin, whatever may be. But on the episodes, I believe Connor McDavid is the best player in the world right now. No, I agree with that thing. So, like I said, some will agree, some will disagree. Opinions are opinions, and, you know, go from there. But every year the Oilers don't make the playoffs is one last year Connor McDavid may, or Leon Dreisaitl even looks himself in the mirror and says, do I really want to be here for the long term? I understand McDavid's here for seven, eight years locked up long term. But... That doesn't mean he needs to stay here for eight years. No. Now, the Oilers' window is is fairly wide to win. But it's closing year after year after year after year. And that window's only going to get smaller. You got teams like Toronto coming out. Teams like Calgary getting better this year. Vegas. Vegas, and we'll touch on that briefly with Max Pacioretty now there. The Edmonton Oilers need to win now. And I just don't know if they made enough changes to win. I don't know. You mentioned the schedule, Brad. Right now, they start, of course, and it's, it's even tougher because they're starting the season in Europe. And on the in road. In Germany well, yeah. and in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Sweden. Yeah. They play Cologne for uh, for the first preseason game in that trip in Europe. Or the last preseason game. Then they play the Devils on Saturday night. Sorry, yeah, Saturday morning, sorry, October 6th. Right. And then they have Boston. Two days off to get to get, re, to get used to be back North America again. Then they're in Boston, in New York against the Rangers, in Winnipeg, and then they're back here to play Boston again, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Washington home, Nashville again on the road this time, in Chicago, and at home against Minnesota. That's their opening month. That's one month in the year. <laughs> that is a tough, tough schedule. Yes. Now, Boston, I think is tough. Nashville's obviously we've shown playoff team tough. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's tough. Well, not Washington's tough. The only maybe easier game in there is maybe Chicago, Minnesota. But if you hypothetically speaking here, guys, if you win two games on the month, you're in trouble. Your season could be done. If, if I don't go. care if it's October, you're in trouble. If they get out of this stretch month and they are one seven and one or two eight and one, that's or horrible. even three 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 six and whatever it is, 
you're already behind the eight ball. And there's not a lot of time to come back because this month is gone just like that. And it doesn't get any more easier on top of that. So, I think Connor will be better. I think Leon will be better. I think it's important and it's pivotal for Cam Talbot to have a better year. Mm-hmm. Now, with everything lines up, let's say Scotty Upshaw makes the team. Everything lines up. The Oilers, you know, come out hot. They go six, three, and one, or or six and three in this on this swing in the month of, in the month of October. Now we could be singing a different tune. Yeah, this team could be on on a, on a better upswing, maybe winning the division, you know, so on and so forth. But it's very, very important for the the Edmonton Oilers to come out hot. You mentioned again, a great point, Tony, that McDavid needs a team to lead. There, there is not a team around him like in the way that you saw with no. Jason Kane having a team in Chicago no. or Crosby having a core around him in Pittsburgh. It no. still is not there. And let me let me tell you, I, that part of that's on Peter Torelli, I think, at this point. But because obviously cap management was a major issue, they only have four million to spend. If they throw Sekra on the long-term injury reserve, they have his money to spend. That'll give him about nine million dollars to spend. Now, obviously, that's going to be used for defensemen. I I would assume. I I would think it's not going to be used for a forward. You see, I didn't mind the Larson trade. The and I I hate to bring this up, but I'm I'm going to. The Larson trade wasn't bad. I think that was good because the Oilers needed that. The Everlay trade, I was kind of, okay, man. Okay. Now, Peter Shirelli shredding on thin ice here. Very of course he is. thin ice. Um, if the Oilers don't make the playoffs this year, I think Shirelli's gone. You can make a case. Maybe Todd McClellan's gone. Maybe maybe uh, Trent Yanni takes over as head coach. Wouldn't shock me um, if that happens. Or, or Glenn Gullickson even takes over. Or Manny over. Barrios also, too, could um, be an interim they, head coach. They got three three viable options there. And I don't think it all needs to fall on Todd McClellan. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in years past where, you know, it, it's fallen on coaches all the time. Dallas Eakins, you know, what, what go on down the line, right? Tom Rennie. Ralph you know, Kruger. Ralph Kruger. Uh, all these guys, but... And and a question I'm going to bring this up to to the fans here, and maybe maybe Tony can speak on this, but what do you guys think of the ownership? Does does is it time now for Daryl Cates to maybe look himself in the mirror and hey, is this something I want to take on? Do I do I maybe sell the team? Um, we had a we had a conversation about that, and I'm not look I'm not shitting on the Edmonton Oilers. That's not what I'm doing. And this is my team. I support this team 100%. Regardless of the good, regardless of the bad. I've been through it all. Okay, I've been there in 2006. I've been there in, in 20, 2016. You know, I, I've been there through the McDavid. I've been there through all the first round picks. I love this team. You cut me open, I bleed copper and blue. But there is some major issues with this team. And, the, and fan base is going to start to see that. Fans are going to start to, hey... Do I pay $200 a ticket or do I watch this from home? And there might, if they don't turn this around, 
There might be some empty seats in that new building. And it wouldn't shock me because you're right. People are gonna are definitely gonna start saying, "What am I spending my money on?" Because yes, you have Carmen McDavid. Yes, you have Leon Dreisaitl. You have Hopkins. Um, a Puliyarvi. You go on, mm-hmm. on, so on, and on. But yeah. if this team is once again a 78 point team or 81 point team, finishing 12th in the West, fourth in their division, missing the playoffs, well, what they what they wasting their money? Now let, let me ask you this though. This is a team on paper right now. You look at this team as is right now. Does this team make the playoffs? Second wild card, and not even, and not, even not even convincingly. Okay. Okay. I think they make I mean, they make the playoffs in the last week of the season. They're wow. they're battling to okay. make it in. Okay. What do they need? Okay, you're Peter Schwell. You got the phone. You can make any trade you wanted to at the deadline. What do you make? Does Hopkins? Does does one of those key? Obviously, it depends on the season. Do one of those key guys go, or do you see a major shift and a big move coming the other way? Ideally, in a in a dream world with the Oilers, if you didn't have all your money in bad contracts, I would love to bring in Eric Carlson. That would be a guy you just team could have definitely. Well, I, I think I think every twenty yeah. or thirty other teams with Mike Eric Carlson is not gonna. But I, I I do agree with you. If if now I think. You know what? And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think Lucic bounced back this year. I think he has a better year. Um, I think Pugliarby has a, has a year. Um, I would also like to see potentially a Kylo Yamamoto come in and play um, and, and see what he can do. Um, Scotty Upshaw, I, I think um, we talked about this, I, has earned a... A spot on a team for the last two years on a PTO. Yes. Um, in St. Louis and in Vancouver, I think he can do the very well the same in Edmonton. I think he has the skills and the assets to be a third line guy. Um, I like the project move. I like the veterans, the veterans that they brought in. I, I'm not. I love it. I'm not. You know, Peter Shaw made some, some, some pieces, made some moves that benefits his team. That's not. I'm not saying they're all bad, but. At what point do, do, you, do you look at this Lucic contract, you know, has to take a forefront? And I'm not, hey, I'm a huge Lucic fan. I was a Lucic fan in Boston. I, I loved him. He went running around, crushing people, hitting people. We need that Milan Lucic in Edmonton, though. We need that guy in Edmonton. Um, scroll, scroll down, I think. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, unfortunately, right now we didn't get that Lucic in Edmonton. We got a, you know, a a um, a, a completely different Milan Lucic. And uh, Tony says here they need to have all non-Oiler alum managing the Oilers. Uh, Clip bringing in basically the old boys club. Um, I, I I agree with you, Tony. I I talked about this on the way over here. Daryl Case needs to stop being a fanboy and start being an owner. And that's with all due respect to the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got to stop living in the 80s and 90s here and come to the 21st well, it's century. Like, it's not even 90s, it's just the 80s. This team has been stuck in this, in this era of 83 to 90. And not and listen, I, would, I wouldn't mind a Doug Waite, but like I said, this team is stuck in this one era of world hockey. That's mm-hmm. there, and yeah. when does it end? Because right. you ha- and like Tony said, you have to start looking at hiring guys. Maybe it's someone from Europe. Maybe it's someone from Hockey USA. It's someone different. 
you need different eyeballs right, in this right. franchise. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I may, you know, it's I I completely completely agree, and that's I think until that changes, I don't think we're 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 going to see quote unquote changes. Um, now, I think bringing in free agents changed with Connor. Uh, with 97 coming here. Everybody wants to play with a superstar. Of course. Everyone, everybody wants to play with that next generation guy. So, I mean, next season, maybe maybe the Oilers cap situation changes. Maybe some money gets dumped or whatever, and they make changes that way. But again, we've been saying this for years, where... They need to bring in, like, Patrick Maroon, I think, would have been a viable option to bring him back. You look at what he signed in St. Louis. He very well could have came back. He could have, yeah. And played for the Evans Oilers. And my sources who I talked to, I have some connections with the Blues organization, and they told me that with Patrick Maroon, it came down to Edmonton and St. Louis. But, of course, for Patrick, his family's in St. Louis, his son's there, his fiance's in St. Louis. To him, going home made sense. Uh, one guy I want to talk uh, talk about too, and man, Tony and and Barry, you can and all those guys, you can chime in as well. Uh, a situation that's becoming very uneasy is as camp um, camp opens here in the next couple days, and that being Darnell Nurse. Uh, Darnell Nurse has yet to be signed as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. He's still in RFA. He's still waiting on a deal, and, and from what I'm hearing. Is he's becoming very agitated. He's becoming very upset. Um, I don't blame him. I think this is drug on far too long. And look at this: if you get Sekro money with the long, with him going on long term, IR, like I said, that leads you with nine million dollars. The four million you have plus the five coming off this year with with Sekro on long term. So you have nine million dollars to play with this year. Why not sign a two-year deal at four point five? It's kind of a bridge deal, you know. Get him, get him out, and and uh, you don't move on. Julian, what's Julian up, man? Julian McKenzie from in Montreal. Julian McKenzie. If you don't know Julian, Julian's a an, an weatherman in CTV Montreal, sports reporter, works with Sporting News. One of the more accomplished brothers in sports media in Canada, in Montreal. Follow Julian on Twitter. Julian, what's going on, buddy? Appreciate the support, big man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Tony, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if, uh, if Luke will give that one up. That's, that's Luke's pride and joy in L.A. And uh, that's another team uh, that's, that's built a, a very good hockey club over there, adding mm-hmm. Ilya Kovalchuk as well. And that's, that's another team to contend in the West. Yes. But... I want to get back to this Darnell Nurse thing real quick. Go ahead. What happens here with Darnell Nurse? Do, if I'm Edmonton, like I said, if I'm Edmonton, I'm talking a two-year deal, $4.5 million a year. That's two years. He's already. I think he's expressed already Darnell doesn't want to be here long-term. He's got family in Toronto. Yes. He's got family in the yada yada, whatever. Now, does it come a point where maybe the Oilers look at exploring and maybe trading Darnell Nurse? Not this season. I do think a I do think a deal does happen. I think it is probably a two year deal. But I think when they I think that when that's up, then you do look at a deal of it later on. Because I think he's a guy. I would love to see Darnell Nurse stick around this year. I would exactly. love to with see Sekro him stay gone. here. 
Especially with Sekiro. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? If you lose both Nurse and Sekiro, you have two giant holes in your back end. Well, playoffs? I think not. Yeah. No, 100%. Like I said, I love the Oilers, man. Uh, let's go down again. I, I love I love the Oilers, and and I always will. And um, you know, it's hey, Barry. That's a good point. With mm-hmm. cap implications, yeah. no, that's a really good point. Uh, with with Sekra, and then I just do they even have the means to get it done on their deal done? <laughs> it might have to be a one year deal. Yeah. It might have to be one year. At three million, or one year at two point five, or one year at three point five, it might Donald Nurse might have to suck it up for the year, get a deal done, get him back on the ice, get him skating, get him playing, and if he performs well, and and believe me, I think Donald Nurse has a very good year next year. That's one of my breakout players this year for Edmonton. I think Donald Donald Nurse has a very good year, and if if he performs the way I believe he can and will. Mm-hmm. Then he deserves a, a, a long-term contract. No, and we've, we've watched the development here at Edmonton. Darnell Nurse's game is getting better and better each season. And you know what? If this means, you know, one-year deal, and then Darnell gets dealt maybe to an Eastern Conference team, maybe it's, maybe it's a Buffalo or a Philadelphia, whatever. I'll feel good knowing that they got at least one more year out of Darnell as his game develops even more. Does that package then become bigger for Darnell Nurse coming back? I think so. If he comes out, if Darnell Nurse can give you this year maybe... 9, 10 goals, and 25 assists, whatever, 30 assists, then that, you, can, you can get a good patch back, I think. Let me ask you this. You're Philadelphia next year. Let, let's look ahead here next year. You signed Darnell, one-year deal. Darnell says, I want out. I want to move on. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Which likely could happen. Maybe not. Maybe it won't. Maybe he signs a five-year deal. Maybe. Who knows? I, I don't know. I'm speculating. That's what we do. If you're Edmonton, do you look for a guy, maybe Ivan Provorov? Maybe a oof. That's a, that's uh, a big ask. It's a big may, ask of Philadelphia. Maybe a maybe a Gostas bear. I can't see the moving chain Gostas uh, bear. I cannot see. They will throw deep batteries around Hextall until the cows come home. So, if you're one of those two, what is he asking? Is it is it a first round pick? Is it a is it a a serviceable defensive score down again? If it's a serviceable defensive score down, we got a yeah. question. I think um, I think Provorov, it is possible, but I think you're looking at Nurse and something else. Maybe it's Nurse and a pick. For, I think Gossip Bear is untouchable. I think Provorov could possibly be moved, but that's Nurse and something else going to Philadelphia. If he, if he does go to Philadelphia, that is the destination. And I'll tell you, Tony brings up a good point with the drama last year. There was some... Drama. Um, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. There, there <laughs> was, <laughs> we, we know what happened, but there, there was some drama... Uh, in Edmonton last year. And, uh, and like I said, maybe that's a... Again, I'm speculating. Maybe that's the difference this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Oilers come in clean slate. Everybody makes up. Everybody had a summer to digest, to forget about last year. Mm-hmm. Come in fresh. A new state of mind, new coaches. Right. So we got now three new eyes, or you know, nine new eyes. Mm-hmm. We've got three new coaches, right? Maybe this is a different... Wait, nine... Wait, 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 hang on. That, that math is wrong. Sorry, six. I, wait, I'm sorry. Two, yeah. 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 Two what plus... Yeah, heck? okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're good. Yeah, 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 we're good. <laughs> um, so, sorry, so six new eyes. Uh, with, with that being three new coaches, by the way. Um, maybe that's the difference. Is the Oilers coming fresh? 
The Oilers come in hungry. Like I said, Connor gets better. Leon, I think, gets better. Mm-hmm. Nugent Hopkins gets better. Maybe got maybe bottom two guys get better. Drake Kajula might get better. And I told him, hey man, easy. It's a Monday Monday night, okay? I'm coming coming out the weekend, okay? It's all good. Six, we're good. Um, and you know, maybe that's the difference. You always make the playoffs with the, you know, fresh new look, coaching staff, no new no drama. Hey, we'll see. Maybe you always make the playoffs. Will be and and if, and if they do, if they do, we already saw it happen in Edmonton when they made the playoffs in sixteen seventeen. That area of Ford Hall and outside Gennos, people it's people incredible. people have been claiming they claimed that playoff run that the concrete floor outside in the concourse felt soft. There's so much weight, so much weight right. on it. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if y'all were drinking too much, but I don't know how concrete can get soft like that. I'm sorry. I think it was in your and I'll tell you another reason why. <laughs> I'll tell you another reason why they make the playoffs. I bought season tickets for the first time this year. They better make the playoffs. I'll tell you that much. They yeah. better make the playoffs. I bought season tickets. Game over. Yeah. Oh, almost forgot, Avery. I feel mm. so, so bad. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors as well. Yes. Yoga Life. Grand Villa Casino for this beautiful venue. All they do for us. The beautiful, uh, the, the servers downstairs. Make sure we're taking care of feeding us. Uh, ma- making sure we're full before we come on air. Thank you guys so, so much for what you guys do and helping us run week in and week out. We couldn't do it without you guys. And, of course, the fans, Tony and Barry. Barry's been here since day one, man. 19 episodes strong. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you guys so, so much for for being there with us and riding this. Tony, we hope you love the show, man. We hope you come back. Uh, big week next week. We're, uh, should I announce the guest or no? Leave it. Leave it. He's confirmed. Week. We can go ahead. He's we're we're going to announce it. Kid Chocolate, a PWA wrestler here in Edmonton. We're going to have him live in studio at Grant Bill Casino. Talk about uh, talk about wrestling. Um, that'll be interesting and unique and different. Um, it, it'll be good. A nice fresh fresh look. And also, we'll talk about the week that was in the NFL. The week that was a, a week. Uh, before training camp or before the preseason, we'll gear you up for the Oilers, and we're gonna end on a, on two things. We're gonna end on uh, we're gonna talk about Serena Williams, and mm. go ahead. Yeah, as we saw this past week here, Serena Williams was defeated by Naomi Osaka in the U.S. Open final, <laughs> and Naomi Osaka became what should have been a story was Serena made it back to the U.S. Open final, great, and Naomi Osaka beat her, who was a 20-year-old Haitian Japanese player the first Japanese player to ever win a major tournament, mm-hmm. which is incredible, incredible stuff. But of course, it was overshadowed by the penalties in the match to Serena. Of course, a game penalty for arguments with the uh, with the um, chair umpire and other issues in which it would appear that she was being coached from the coach's box. But to me, I find weird in tennis that you cannot coach mid-game with your player. I find that so odd that mid-game coaching is banned in tennis, but that's, not, that's for another time. Well, you Point- can- Listen, you can coach in any other sport from the sidelines. Yeah, so but why in tennis, it's not it's not allowed, which is still incredibly strange to me mid game. But that's but either way, the story was the fact that the chair umpire punished Serena okay for the coaching, and then she gave up a point. She smashed her racket down. Another point taken away. Another point penalty. See, what I don't understand there was they didn't. She didn't give him a warning. They 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 were talking about this on the tennis. Uh, 
believe me, I was watching sports tonight, but they, mm-hmm. they they were talking. There was no warning after that racket throw. It was it was a straight penalty. Yeah, and, and that was it. And then she went off again. Now, see, I'm not a tennis fan. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't watch the game. I don't really follow the game. I I watch highlights, and that's about it. And of course, I've seen this go down, but. I don't appreciate the way she acted, uh, especially the final. But again, the umpire was also, you know, again, you can go both ways. I, I really, Serena Williams apologized. I get, but then there was a beef between her and her coach, because the coach said yes, he was coaching. Serena says I have no idea what he's talking about. There's some, there's a rift there. There's some beef there. And then of course the fans booing this poor 20 year old mm. after she won the Grand Slam. Um, I, I thought it was just absolutely tasteless. I thought it was, are you kidding me? This lady just won her first ever grand slam. Mm-hmm. You should still be happy for her. Of course. And Serena was, in Serena ever gracious, told the crowd, you know, let's not boo, let's celebrate Naomi for winning this. And that's the one thing, like, Serena, like, she's been a true ambassador for sport of tennis. She, to me, is among the, in, in what comes to athletes in my top 10 list. Three of my top ten athletes of all time list yeah. because of what she's done for the sport of tennis, not just as a black woman, but in general for the game because she's her and, her and Venus have changed tennis for the better with what they did over the past twenty years. But you, I think other guys, men players have admitted that they said a lot worse to the umpire and got away with it. There is mm. a double standard. There's a clear double standard in tennis. Hundred percent. Where and Andy Roddick, I watch Andy Roddick matches and Andy Roddick would lay into the chair umpires for who knows how long and he wouldn't get a penalty. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So I, I think it needs to go both ways. I think where hey, if a, if a if a male can lay into a, an umpire, females should do the same thing, right? And and whether I was sexist, whether race, whether what whatever, I'm not gonna get into that because that's that's not what I do. But just a you know a, a terrible situation and. No, and there was also a cartoon that was written by a journalist, I believe, from the I want to say it was the Sydney Herald in Australia. Either it was, it was Australia, I'm not sure it was the Sydney Herald or another paper in Australia. It was an editorial cartoon that came out this morning, and it portrayed. Well, we can post it on um, on our Facebook page. It portrayed Serena as being like like the Black Hulk, essentially, where she's jumping around, smashing a racket, yeah. and has a pacifier on the ground, <laughs> and the chair umpire. Is telling to who was drawn up to be presumably Osaka, can, can, you just, can you just let her win? Her let her win, but the way it was drawn up, and the way Serena's portrayed in this, as the mad, angry black woman, was so dang disrespectful, now, and so dang racist. Listen though, listen, I, I'm not gonna like I said, I'm not gonna go down that hole, but Serena's been here before, with the tirades, and I'm gonna shove a ball down your throat, and telling all these umpires and. This is not a first rodeo with a chair umpire. It is not. <laughs> and I think maybe that has something to do with her penalties because of her history. And be, like I said, I don't think it's race. I don't think it's it's sex. I don't think it's whatever. But I think both were in the wrong. I don't. They they just gotta get cleared up. I think they gotta clear. They the rule in tennis is a little. It's clear as mud. Which to say it's not very clear, so it needs to be clear. Of course it does, and we saw earlier though in the U.S. Open, I think it was um, I'm, I'm trying to remember her name, Alice Alice Cornette, French player. She had to change her shirt 
because it was uh, oh, back, yes. it was uh, back to front. Yes, right, right. And she got a penalty for that. Are, are you kidding me? Right. Are you joke? How is that even a penalty? Because like um, Djokovic took his shirt off right in the sideline. Right. And they're saying, oh, it was a changeover. Yeah. Still, either way, yeah. adjusting your shirt should not be a penalty. That is stupid. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, I want to end on a really cool note. We're gonna end on this. I want uh, Tony and Barry to chime in because I, I know Barry loves this guy. Tony, I know he's a big, uh, big hip hop fan too. Uh, we're gonna end on this really kind of cool note, kind of fun, kind of not so fun. Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly beef. <laughs> I, I, I told Mr. Vic Michaels, a good friend of ours, we do this to, for him to end the show. Um, so we'll end on this. Machine Gun Kelly, if you don't know, well, made fun of, or didn't make fun of, in 2012, yes, 2012, so five years ago, mm-hmm. six years six ago, years ago, six years ago, said, damn, Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, your daughter is hot. And there was some other words said there. Now, Eminem, it took him six years, but he did it. I don't blame him. Eminem could do whatever the hell he wants. He's a great, in my opinion, the greatest rapper to ever live. Whoa. Uh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Slow down. Out, wait, wait. You didn't let me finish. Right. Outside of Biggie, outside of Tupac, outside of N.W.A., those are my big three, Eminem, is up there. Eminem's there. He's a great. Yes. Right now, right now, in this era, right now, he's the greatest. Right now, today. Back then, Biggie, too, obviously 100%, no question. But, right, Eminem is the, one of the greatest. One of the, is that One better? of, yes, I'll agree one with of that. The, okay, one of the greatest. Eminem, Avery just about hit me over the head with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the greatest rappers to ever live, Eminem. Come out with a, a surprise album, dropped it at midnight, no no warning, no nothing. Number one in 70 countries in 30 minutes. Number one, 70 countries, 30 minutes, no promotion, mm-hmm. no warning, no nothing. That shows you how good Eminem is. Now, in a, in a song, I can't, remember, I'm not, I can't remember the title, I'm not gonna name it. In, just go listen to the album Kamikaze. Do yourself a favor. This album is off the chain. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's awesome. There's no word for it. But in one song, he calls out every current rapper under the sun and basically calls them garbage. Basically, to sum it up, I'm not going to get into it, but basically, to sum it up, calls them garbage. That nobody matches Eminem. Everybody else is down here. Eminem's up here. Which, hey, he's got the right to say because he's been around and he's done it, and Eminem is one of the greatest. Now, he responded to Machine Gun Kelly's tweet. And now, this started an absolute war. Because three days later, after the album was released, Machine Gun Kelly releases a diss track, basically hating on Eminem. And now we just got word Eminem's going to release another diss track later next week. And he's going to fire back. Are you an Eminem fan, or do you like Machine Gun Kelly? Uh, in this return from Eminem, because if you listen to Machine Gun Kelly's diss track, it's actually pretty good. He did, you know, he held his own. The guy held his own. He did a really good job. 
I am sorry. White or not, Eminem is going to destroy you in his sleep. There is no even war about this. Eminem's gonna bury him, grab the shovel, dig a 12 feet grave, and put him in it because it's over. Now, Eminem, first of all, Machine Gun Killer, respect your elders, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, you're right, Marshall Mathers is gonna put this guy in the grave because when what and when Eminem roasts people, that's it. When he roasts people, no fire you're done. Back. You haven't seen any other rapper in that rap fire back. Because nobody has the balls to. Because Eminem is the greatest. I'm sorry. One of the greatest. Machine Guy Kelly, man. You should have just kept your mouth shut. I'm done. Thank you to Cordento. <laughs> or, sorry, Yoga Life. Grand Villa Casino. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to Tony. Thanks to Barry, my grandma Joan. Man, we love you guys for the support. Thank you guys so much. See you next week. Episode 20 zero. We are out of the teens and we are growing up. Look, Bob, I made it. Episode 20, Grand Bill Casino. Be there, be square. Avery Lewis McDougal. I'm Brad Bucko. Good night. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place, 8 o'clock. Later.